Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 180 on a rapidly overcasting, is that a word? It is now. Tuesday, late April evening, welcome to We've had some, well, we take some weeks without rain here, which I think is some kind of record in this county, since Mayo gets 97% of the rain. Just being greedy, ain't it, really? We got dry. Everywhere else got miserable weather, and we got dry for six weeks, and then a farmer started complaining that it wasn't raining. God's sake, it rains too much. The fields are flooded. It doesn't rain enough. The field, we got dry. We got, we're going to starve. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 180 of Gatecast, and tonight's episode, Stargate Atlantis, Before I Sleep. No wonder someone was confused when I said, while I sleep. I usually, as you know, blather on because I normally give Mike very little warning and I wasn't sure if clearing my throat loudly was a sufficient warning for him or not. Was it? Probably not, because I always expect you to keep talking. <laughs> I'm not saying you're talkative, but you are talkative. Well, it does help if there's two of us watching it, two of us should be talking. Indeed. I promise not to be a Twitter whore this week. Strange, we have no third voice this week. It's not that, it's the fact that I tweeted somebody else while we were recording. I was cheating on you. I know, Brad Moore just tweeted us. Wanted so much to be on this one, best ep of season one. Enjoyed your last podcast. Once again, good work, folks. Can't wait for your SGA pod. That was from Used Cowboy 2. Anne McCabe, she tweeted us, one of our favourite episodes of All Stargate Atlantis, a great character piece. Elizabeth Weir is one of my favourites. Dancer Chick, 1982. Beautiful and very haunting episode, one of Tori Higginson's best performances, aside from my fave, The Long Goodbye. I saw that earlier in the week. Yeah. Yeah, because I found out to add accounts to my tablet install of Twitter, so it notifies me when Gatecast gets tweeted as well. It can be annoying because I end up with 15 notifications because I only ju- if I'm not travelling, I only have the damn thing out of standby for about an hour a day when I'm in bed. I appear to have been cat abandoned. They played in the room and then, oh, hang on, I thought I saw a shadow there shortly after I said the word cat. I figure another six months, Gianna will probably come in at about 18, 20 pounds. I might have to rename her Mr. <laughs> You know the way you can see with tigers and stuff, there's a sort of wide spread to the paw, yeah. which indicates it's going to be bearing a lot of weight. Well, her paws are starting to go like that. Uh, I'd liken Shanna to a tiger and Cindy more to a puma, you know, sort of lean and lithe. Where Shanna's big, solid, heavy thing, the rolling shoulders, the kind of not quite take your head off. <laughs> we'll give it a bloody good go. Well, she was meowing the other day and sort of wanting to be played with. I wanted to pick her up and put her on my lap and she tried to unscrew my kneecap. <laughs> you know? I checked. This is through solid denim. There were two sort of injection-sized holes in my leg. <laughs> Cat-proof clothing. Oh, yeah. That's why that how to give a can of bath says you need an enclosed shower thing because frantic cat can shred three-ply shower cotton faster than a politician can switch positions. <laughs> With a little gap at the top where you just go, nice kitty. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Throw her in. <laughs> no, you're supposed to wear Kevlar. <laughs> and be in there with them. As it says in the instructions, get ready for the most exciting 30 seconds of your life. That long, eh? Yeah. <laughs> the cat may hate you and me, appear to develop psychoshomeric qualities where it pretends to be a statue. It's really doing is planning on how to maim you for life if you try it again. <laughs> yeah, fool me one. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it today. It was like, meow, 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 meow. I go to pick her up and she develops a death grip on the sitting room rod. So, okay, what the hell do you want? Yeah, as a local control of gravity. <laughs> she tried to curl up on top of the speaker that's on top of the corner cabinet that there isn't room for them more since I got 20 metres of speaker cable and plonked the speaker up there. Which really doesn't help with dead space, which I have to say kudos to 
Nothing has freaked me out so much since the original id software games. The eerie yeah. music, the dark flickery lights, the growls coming from random positions. This is what I get for installing weird bloody speakers finally after six years. <laughs> and then I'm literally surrounded and I shouldn't really play it at night because it's fucking scary. I mean, the pulse rate goes up. No more, you might have to bleep this, but not in years have I had a game where I'm running around and going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, into Rincewind. Will you be watching The Finds? Tonight. Oh. Yeah, but you will be watching it. I weren't 100% taken. You can tell it's Roxanne, though. I mean, you can see the sort of Farscape influences in it. Oh, Rockney. Sorry? Rockney. Rockney, whatever her name is. When you said Roxanne, all I could think of was uh, Roxanne Dawson from Voyager. No. I thought, did she direct it? No, I mean Rockney. There is that kind of feel to it. For some reason, I find myself unduly enamoured with the Doctor character. I'm not sure why. <laughs> You've got an attitude. She does. That's what we like in a Doctor. Yeah, well, she she's taking it from Bones. And she nuked everybody <laughs> even better. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. So she's not against slaughtering thousands. There should have been thousands. There actually were a couple of dozen. They're, they're biomechs, so... Yeah, who could get taken down with 9mm ammunition. I think that was more of a momentum thing, just knocking them off the wall than actually damaging them. I admit, the mechs reminded me a lot of the mech in Falling Skies, but I think, I suppose, a mech is a mech is a mech. There's only so many things you can do with a, you know, humanoid, large, mechanical thing. Are you watching Revolution, or did you watch it when it were on? No, I stopped watching that last year. After about four or five episodes? Seven. Oh, seven. I gave it a go. It was getting sillier and sillier. I never got over the fact that the world ended and there were people running about as if they'd been eating McDonald's for the whole life. Oh, you mean the fat bearded guy 15 years after the world had ended? Yeah, the billionaire IT guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still pissed off with them for killing the Aussie. Well, the Brit who's pretending to be an Aussie. Oh, the woman. You, yeah, you said, didn't you, last week? Yeah, I was like, you killed her. <laughs> Eric Kripke, and I was like, ah, of course. Still haven't forgiven Eric for killing the cute blonde and her mother. The one that Dean sort of had a thing for, and then there was a hint that she might actually be Dean's half-sister. Yeah. And then they whacked her. And the mother decided to sacrifice herself. That's dumb. You know, if the daughter was dying, let her blow up the hellhound. You stay alive and keep fighting. <laughs> oh, we're looking confused. McKay looking McKayish and Todd. Todd? Sorry, it's not Todd. It's old weird. It just looks a bit like a wraith from the side. <laughs> it does. From the side, it looks like a wraith. You look at the hair and the white clothing. You can't see the face. Yeah. Would I call it a monkey puzzle table? Why not? The one that they keep dismantling and reassembling. You know, they may have been ancient and wise, but they had really poor taste in the uniform. Guess episode based on what table they've used. Yes, the table configuration. Doubtless there is a somewhat obsessive fan out there who's uh, shown the different table configurations for each episode. Right, let me get my line ready. And of course I don't get a line, naturally. Why do I never get a line the first time I go in? Maybe the DVD figures have enough cat in my life. Could be. And I was thinking about it. Really thought about that. Bloody thing. Going for the new version. <laughs> oh, there's giving me a line. Bloody thing. Possessed PC. Well, it's running Windows. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say possessed. I see Brad has a tweet further. I had a little conversation with you. Yeah. Not really relevant for the reading out purposes. No, not really. Okay, if we're good to go. Are we good to go? Okay, then. Ever three, ever a doe, ever a hane. Clicky. Fade out, fade in on. Sorry. Contemplated mood. The fans wearing away. Hey, it's just stealing a breath of fresh air. Stealing? I thought you were off exploring the city. About to. Yeah, give it back. Huh? He's brought us something. The mainland, the Athosians made it. Happy birthday. How old is she, John? How old? Tell us. Oh, hmm. What the hell is that? A pot. Is it spinning top? 
It's beautiful. How did you find out? Mum's the word. What? He spoke to our mums? Maybe. I mean, I would have thought he'd have access to her personnel files. So we've got an episode where they're actually exploring the city again. Mm. They really didn't do enough of this during the uh, five-season run. Yeah. You see anything better than our current quarters? A few. Some are pretty nice, actually. <laughs> Rodney's after a new room. Of course he is. We're here to unlock the secrets of Atlantis. Yeah, well, I'm looking for a one-bedroom with a den, preferably with a balcony, but I'm not married to it. I suppose after some of the areas got dried out after flooding. Oh, dear. Found something. Yes, Rainbow. Well done, Ford. Who's a good boy? Earned your pay this week. He's not a dog. <laughs> oh, lights are going to be on. Consuming power. Yeah, John walked into the room. <laughs> Behold, I am your god. <laughs> As opposed to Rainbow, who uh, you seem to think, Behold, I am your dog. <laughs> More handy with this ancient technology. You had to really focus before. Yeah. Okay. Really That's the first. We've walked into Madden Two Swords. <laughs> I'd have to say, yes. The man from Del Monte, he says yes. That probably is a waxwork. Yeah, seen better days. Yes. <laughs> and credit sequence. That was short. It was, wasn't it? All right then. Before I sleep, season one, episode fifteen of Stargate Atlantis, episode one hundred and eighty of the Gatecast, written by Paul Binder. He wrote 7 episodes of Stargate Universe, 25 episodes of Stargate Atlantis, and 2 of SG-1, as well as writing on the LA Complex and the Transporter series. The episode was directed by Andy Makita, and had its UK premiere January the 25th, 2005. In the US, February the 18th, 2005. I've got a date for Canada, 6th of December 2004, which kind of goes against the UK getting the world premiere. Never quite figured that out at all. France got it, 8th of July 2005. Thank you, IMDb. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of shows with the same episode title, and only two. La Femme Nikita and Neon Rider. Sounds like an anime. Uh, the latter does, yeah. Well, obviously not La Femme Nikita. <laughs> I mean, please. It's a nice shot in the sea. Yeah, often used. Well, we could stand here looking at her all day. What we got to do is get her out of this box. Boys are arguing... Doctor and scientist. She's at least 100 years old. Which is why every second counts. I mean, she could drop dead while we stand here arguing. How can she drop dead? You said she was frozen. <laughs> yeah, point out the obvious. Yes, thank you. Uh, Rodney, you can, you know, I can't even hear Rodney's tone, but I can employ it from the expression on his face. Systems indicate viability. According to the initial data I've been able to access, she's been in that chamber for 10,000 years. 10,000 years? 10,000. <laughs> That's a long time. Yes. So that's when Atlantis was abandoned. The alarm bell should be ringing. Which, judging by the look of her, seems more likely to occur sooner rather than later. Bringing me back to my original point. Look at her. She's so old, I'm afraid the process of reviving her might actually kill her. We cannot let this chance to talk to a living, breathing ancient slip through our fingers. Again. Makes you wonder if Tori can actually get a vibe. Yes. And who knows what she knows about our city? More importantly, does she know about any ZPMs lying around? <laughs> Very old ancient. She might not be an ancient. She could be just somebody that's in uh, stasis. Yeah. Reviver. But Doctor, it's my call. Thank you. As you pointed out, the colouring like a, an ill wraith queen. Mm. Although not many queens had wrinkled skin like that. Yeah, it looks like Robert Smith. Probably because it is Robert Smith. Yeah, maybe she wanted to stay behind. Maybe they forgot about her. In which case, she's going to be really pissed when she wakes up. Think she remembers anything at all? Yes, they really didn't like her. <laughs> mm. Yes, packing the suitcase. Forgot something. Where's Granny? Haven't you seen your Granny? 
She went earlier. All right then. And now she's in colour. <laughs> well, orangey. Breathing shallow. <laughs> she's dead, Jim. Yes. I run an EEG to determine any brain activity. <laughs> Just noticed that. Piece of paper. That's one of the benefits, I guess, of having external scanners. You know, you don't have to strip the patient or anything, or even examine them physically. Kate addresses five of them. M seven G six seven seven. We've been to this planet. Doctor Weir. Uh, it's alive. Yeah. Yes, and we didn't even need to shoot ten thousand volts through it. Yes, I go. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Freezer burn. I thought she wasn't frozen. Ten thousand years. You expected a dance a bloody jig. Yeah, it was the eyes, Carson. You gotta look at the eyes. Lights are on, but nobody's home. I didn't take a medical professional to know that. Freezer burn. Yeah, why not? <laughs> He's inventing phrases as he goes along. <laughs> yes. What were you saying? Hello. How are you feeling? Yes. Can she speak English? Ooh. It worked. What was that? She said it worked. Was it? <laughs> it worked. That's what he made. <laughs> yes, thank you. You don't get to say that too often, do you, Rodney? No. It worked so far. Hello? <sighs> she fell asleep. Once she's a bit more stable, transfer to the infirmary. And I want video on her at all times, recording everything. We might not get a second chance on anything she may say. Let's hope we get a first, huh? Rodney, she's a bit off you. <laughs> Yes, you do. Too big, huh? I'm not saying it's too big, I'm just pointing out its dimensions. That's normally associated with too big. Hit your feet off the sodding <laughs> consoles. It's like they're watching a ball game or something, not yeah. <laughs> looking at the schematics of the city. Prizes. No, so the boys are bonded. Mm. Searching every room in every building in Manhattan. It'll uh, take a while. God knows what uh, other kinds of surprises are out there not showing up on the sensors. Oh, that's what we're here to find out. Dr. Weir. Yes? You better come to the infirmary. Is our patient awake? Aye, and she's saying the most peculiar things. On our way. Peculiar things? She doesn't look orange anymore. No, must be getting better. I assume that story under a lot of makeup. Yep, four hour makeup session. She got the call in to go to work at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> for filming at 6.30. Took another two hours to clean her off. Long days. Hmm. And of course she also had to do the coverage as well. Yeah. So is that a nice matte effect with her in the background? Or was there a model as well? No, they had stand-ins for old weir. Mm. The shoulder belongs to Jennifer Gibson. Mm. She sounds just like Tori as well. There's a brief conversation with her on the extras on the Blu-ray and maybe the DVD. Mm. Frighteningly uh, similar. I see. She looks like she's got cataracts. How are you feeling? Look at you. Yes, we do. <laughs> I didn't think I'd see any of you again. Well, contact's kind of being comfortable. Missed you all. So terribly. Even you, Rodney. Ooh. <laughs> I'm sorry? Do we know you? Oh, yes. I'm you, Elizabeth. And fade to communicate. That was probably an outbreak. Time travel? That's what she said. She uh, somehow found a way to travel back in time to when the ancients inhabited the city. Time travel? Like nonsense. Burn the witch. That will be one of the first questions I ask her when she wakes up again. If she ever wakes up again. 
let's not be too quick to exclude the possibility that the woman might be, um, what is the clinical term? Nuts? <laughs> We've got the dangerous table. Mm. Oh, yes, with all the uh, probable weapon ports. <laughs> Got to be very careful of your nuts with that table. Well, according to Einstein's general theory of relativity, there's nothing in the laws of physics to prevent it. Extremely difficult to achieve, mind you. You need the uh, technology to manipulate black holes to create wormholes not only through points in space, but time. Not to mention a really nice DeLorean. Don't even get me started on that movie. I like that movie. <laughs> That's it. Yes, if they were in communication with Earth, and Earth is probably, and season eight's following the same timeline, they'd know that. Rodney will spend the next hour telling you why all the physics are wrong. Oh dear. Maybe she's a clone. Da, da, da. Couldn't be a clone? Could be a clone, yeah. Go there with your eyes closed. So, how did they do that, John? Well, like I said, they're made up two women. So, if they've got the basic facial structure, mm. and you know, all the prosthetics, you can duplicate it almost exactly, can't you? True. Why didn't the system automatically attempt to revive her at the moment we got here? Answer, it did. <laughs> you don't have to whisper. You wanted to wake up. Yes. Was a sudden power surge in the section of the city where the stasis lab was. It was trying to revive her. Only we didn't know that. All we saw was more power draining from an already nearly depleted ZPM. So we shut down all secondary systems. I almost killed her. There's probably a lot of things that we still haven't figured out about this city. <laughs> and you would never have known. Very, very weird. <laughs> All those varies, really? Looking at yourself. How you'll be. Actually, how you will be will be different than how she is right now. See, the moment she went back in time, she created a separate reality, a second you living in a, in a, in a, in a parallel world, well, according to one of many interpretations of quantum theory. I mean, simply put... This interpretation states that uh, the universe is in fact split into an infinite number of copies of itself, in which every possible outcome to every decision ever made all exists somewhere in this infinitely layered multi-universe. Well, Elizabeth, i got to say, you didn't age well. <laughs> That's not bad, isn't it? You know, 10,030 or whatever. Hmm. Rodney, shut up. <laughs> There's one thing about science fiction television these days, you know, the idea that time travellers are creating their own kind of parallel universes and totally mm -hmm. different timelines makes a bit of sense. I read a story in Analog about uh, time travel that does that. You go back in time, but you don't go back to... Uh, you create your own reality by travelling back. Yeah. No, you return to the same time, but anything you change isn't changed in your reality, but you can gain yeah. knowledge. Well, that was uh, one of the underpinnings of Terra Nova, wasn't it? When they went back in time, it mm. wasn't to the same timeline. Except for the last couple of episodes, <laughs> whether they could apparently go forward again. My lights came on by themselves. Sensing our presence. Who's doing that? The city slowly awoke. Nice. Yeah. Old wear. Good use of existing footage. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it could easily have been rather a dull clip show. Indeed. Just be careful. So, what we're doing basically is, in effect, unbeknownst, is that actually the way it was timed. We're doing two clip shows back back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you hadn't mentioned clip shows, it wouldn't have occurred to me. <laughs> Why don't you find out? Well, see, that's the hitch. We got lights coming on all over the city, air starting to circulate, but no power coming to any of these consoles. So, gotta... wait a minute. Back up a second. That isn't the way it happened. Everything came online when we arrived. It was uh, lights, computers, power control systems, everything. I was able to access the database immediately. That's not what happened. Not the first time. Hmm. I still can't get over the fact that they put plastic wrap over the consoles. <laughs> ah. Yeah. 
Oh dear. No. <laughs> this is a interesting story she's going to tell. Yes. She's in an extremely fragile state. Her blood pressure is low, her heart is very weak. If I administer a stimulant, I'm afraid it may induce a dangerous arrhythmia. Or worse. Yeah, I'm not talking about a strong stimulant. Just enough to keep her alert for a few more minutes at a time. And we hardly get a couple of words out of her before she dozes off. Which I might remind you is not uncommon for a woman of 10,000. <laughs> and she's going to sit again. Yeah, she's going to make you wait for it, though. Wait for it? <laughs> yes, jug her up. <laughs> what could be worse than dangerous arrhythmia? Seriously. <laughs> and I know she'd want it. Not uncommon for a woman of 10,000. Your extensive experience of multi-millennia women, Carson. Is something you haven't told us about yourself? <laughs> Tell her there's a bingo game on. She'll be up like a shot. But from her perspective, she was that age when she fell asleep. Yeah. You know? That's an unfortunate way to wake up. I'm just as freaked out about all this as you are. And I think I likened this one. I was bothering about the book last week. I likened this to the end of Voyager. Oh, old Janeway coming back to save young Janeway. Yes. I quoted Janeway in a tweet during my lunch break. Oh dear God, why? There was no mocha coffee in the drinks machine, and it's only coffee I can drink from that machine. What would Janeway do? What, the other coffee is all awful? I don't like the other coffee in the drinks machines. Fair enough. It's on. Okay, open the gate and wheel her through. That's it, keep walking. That's all you're checking her out. You're happy now. You might have trouble getting up them steps. Oh, she made it. Hold on. Seeing a city like this, sitting on the surface of the ocean. Let's not get into who carried her up there. Well, Pepper, obviously. <laughs> Although McKay is looking remarkably buff. Already been working out a bit. Trust me, I, I've been working out for three months on it before I was like that. <laughs> okay, the weight I can lift a heavier, but I don't know. It takes a significant amount of work to get to look like that. We're trying to interface these consoles with a temporary battery power, see if we can access the city's main power systems and get this place up and running. Dr. Ware, Colonel Sumner, can you come down here and meet me, please? We're three levels down from you. Right away. Hey. Uh, Colonel Sumner. So is he guest there or is he just a voice? He's just a voice, Robert Patrick. I don't know if uh, the rights allow him to use his voice and not pay him another fee. Hey, Robert Patrick. There he is. The Robert Patrick? Yeah, he was in the pilot, wasn't he? No, but I, am I confusing him, or was he in T2? Yeah, that's him. Huh. We're underwater. I'd say we're under several hundred feet of ocean. Oh, that's not good. No. <laughs> this could be a problem. Oh, no. Make your mind up where you want her to go. <laughs> And at this point, they haven't, they haven't discovered the transporters either, have they? So, no. walking everywhere. So we're getting a combination of new footage of the old story and excerpts from the pilot. Power systems are nearing maximum entropy. Our arrival hastened their depletion big time. And you can see, the shield is collapsing rapidly. I mean, several sections of the city are already flooded. Can we use our own power generators? I doubt our NACWA generators can supply enough power to sustain the shield, and we probably don't have enough time to try. When I say rapidly collapsing, I mean rapidly. And they can't dial back. Not to work. Obviously, in the pilot, they had enough energy to gate to another world to uh, search for ZPMs. Shouting and rushing water. No. Yeah, that's, well, that's not good. Don't know, Yuri just don't have a survival time beyond the pilot, did. <laughs> <laughs> good that the radio worked just long enough. Yeah. Colonel Sumner drowned? Yes, they could only afford Robert for one episode. What is it? Is it all Joe off your biceps week? <laughs> 
We should start evacuating people through the Stargate. We can't. Whatever power's left in the system's be diverted to sustaining the shield, holding the ocean back. We can't even dial. <laughs> We're stuck here. Back for another hundred years, but uh, power consumption spiked when we arrived. This is happening because we arrived. Yes. I've got to admit, this is an interesting story idea, though. Mm. You know, show the expedition where pretty much everything went wrong. Control system, see if you can locate any gate addresses in the database. We'll be nearly enough power to get back to Earth, but... Uh... You figured it out. You've been here an hour, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Some of our team discovered a bay full of what they're calling ships. Was it spaceships? No, <laughs> schooners. They <laughs> can fly anything. Yeah. Handy. Nothing wrong being confident. Oh, dear. Yeah, that can't be good. Well, the music sounds like a sirens. I'll start with this one, you start with one of those. Yeah, I'll take the one closest. Yeah. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> Find your own. Two piers of the city are almost entirely flooded. A third about to collapse as well. Yeah, that's not good. Quite aware these ships will cut a good fallback. They can hold several people each. <laughs> several. <laughs> I'll see if I can pull up a schematic, find a way out. This ship seems different than the others. Different how? Yeah, it's a different control console. I radioed to Linka. He's on his way over to check it out. How many has he been? Oh, it's a Linka. He's only been in one, hasn't he? The city's going into a last gas self-protect mode. Airtight bulkheads are slamming shuttle over the city. We've got people trapped. Wouldn't that protect them? It's too little, too late. Most of the rooms are already breached. We've got people trapped with water rising. Too late. Oops. <laughs> yeah, ever been in a submarine when the air runs out? You may be protected from the water, but <laughs> you're still going to die. These ships turn out to be our only way out of here. I don't want you waiting too long to get up to the bay. Rodney. Yes, 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 I heard. Go. Rodney self-sacrificing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this isn't Rodney. This is alternate Rodney. How are we doing? This ship is different than the others. Yeah, we know that. Why? What's it do? I do not know. We need more time. We don't have time. It's airtight, I assume. It's a spaceship. It better be. Oh, yeah, Zelenka. Yeah, Zelenka. Oh, and we recognise that device, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> the assumption, of course, this is the same jumper that SG-1 found. Banging. Why don't you close the bloody door? Well, there may be more survivors. I'm not impressed with ancient seals on their doors. No. Oh, dear. OK, that looks incredibly fake, yet looks quite good. Yeah. Get them open and get up here. We're waiting for you. Elizabeth... We're going to keep trying to retract the roof. As soon as it opens, you go. Rodney! Look, there's no time to argue. Catastrophic failure is imminent. Just lock yourself in and go. <laughs> I'm being brave. Rodney sacrificing himself? He is, isn't he? <laughs> Character growth in five minutes. Five minutes he's got left. <laughs> left. I died? You never gave up trying. Right until the end. Man wonders how he would choose to go out given such dire circumstances. No, I know. Trying to save the lives of others. But ultimately failing. Oh, no, no need for that, John. No need for that. You died. Well, depends along the. I mean, biologically, your blood probably contains enough oxygen to hold your yeah. breath for about three, four minutes, but the breathing reflex tends to override. I assume the water will be ice cold as well. Well done, Rodney. Oh, Rodney. <laughs> Remember this. <laughs> Next time you feel the urge to run away. Run away. 
<laughs> While attempting to get our people into ships. We, along with Dr. Zelenka, we found ourselves trapped. Yes, you keep saying that woman. Yes. <laughs> it's always nice when you have another go, isn't it? Didn't work the first time. No. Nope. <laughs> Can't get the hatch open. I do not know. Major! There's six of us stuck in one of the ships. What do we do? What did you do? I don't know. I think I just turned it on. Stand by, Sergeant. Not much for instruction manuals, but I can use one right about now. <laughs> we? Hey, I'm sure Rodney's happy about that. Zelenka survived and he didn't. <laughs> there we go. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Puddle Jumper. What was that? Oh, don't tell me John's the only one with the gene who's in a ship. Yes, RTFM, John. Whoa, he just activated the time jump mechanism, didn't he? Yep. Oh, where are they? That got rid of all the uh, issues of finding the uh, hatch to open the city. Of course, the idea is, I guess, our planet's moved, but they didn't. Yeah, well, it's a premise that's wrapped in bug use for time bombs. You know, it pulls you five seconds forward in time, at which point the planet's moved on, and you haven't. Yeah. How's she doing? Stabilized, but still very weak, and getting weaker. Your own mortality, staring you right in the face. Can't imagine how you must be feeling. Why didn't they have material with him there? Yeah, and probably some monitors, though, they can tell when their blood pressure or heart rate's getting erratic. Indeed. They do like big watches in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, of all fails, you can clap a rape with it. <laughs> so you thought this place couldn't get any weirder. Well, it's obvious. Uh, the puddle jumper they escaped it must have been some sort of a time machine. It had to have an additional component built into it. Flex capacitor. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even going to play the game, is he? <laughs> Why don't we ask her? See, that's a clever way to have Taurine both shot cheaply and efficiently. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us? The ship that you escaped in. Where is it now? <laughs> we know where it is. Whoa. It's gone. Oh, they're shooting at us. The better question is how do we shoot back? <laughs> well done. <laughs> how do we shoot back? Oh, suddenly you know how to shoot back. Did I do that? Oh. Cool. <laughs> yes, John, you did. Hang on! Ah. The next thing I knew, I woke up here. Oh, you mean now? No, she does not mean now. No, so what happened to John and uh, Raddick? Then. They got blown up. You're awake? His name was Janus. <laughs> <laughs> Janus, really? Janus. And that is Gildart Jackson. That's a different hairstyle. My thoughts to your thoughts. My mind to your mind. Wait, I'm getting nothing here. I never did like that hairstyle. <laughs> How did you survive and then Bear didn't? He had the uh, magical plot shield. <laughs> the way he says no one survived, I wonder if he bumped them two off. <laughs> I'm only allowed to bring one back. I'm bringing the woman. <laughs> I did everything I could, including valiantly attempting to save your story. Gentlemen, focus. Yes, white boys. Please continue. The Wraith book is in. <laughs> Needless to say, I was very confused. 
He explained to me that the ship we had escaped in was a time machine. He was the one who built it. After I was feeling better, he brought me before the Atlantean Council. We welcome you to the city of Atlantis. Yes, it's been one hell of a day. Unfortunately, your arrival has come at a time of great conflict. We've been under siege for many years and have submerged our city as a measure of protection. Yes, it's extraordinary. It's how we found the city when we came through the Stargate. From Earth? Yes. 10,000 years from now. Huh, what a coincidence. Ah, we've seen her before. Malia McClure. She was the original hologram in the pilot. Janus, the god of beginnings and transitions, thence also of gates, doors, passageways, endings and time. By directly encountering the Wraith, she may have already set in motion a chain of events that could lead to a future far different from the one she left. I never recognised the name from Greek mythology, so I googled. <laughs> Malia McClure, she's been in Seven Days, The Immortal, and a late book, The Delphi Room, is out this year. Wasn't she the ancient that infected Jack with that disease and caused them to get uh, symbioted and then tortured by Baal? No. The Lantians sent a delegation, protected by their most powerful warships, in the faint hope of negotiating a truce. Pardon me? <laughs> Quiet. Don't upset her. Bad chance. You don't negotiate with food. Basically, they sent the pride of the fleet and it got its ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You can have high technology, but there comes a point when sheer numbers can overwhelm you. Yes. We're awaiting the last of our off-world transport ships before beginning our evacuation through the Stargate. Where will you go? We're returning to Earth. You're welcome to <laughs> Yes, we know. <laughs> Thank you. It's very kind, but... I'm sure you must understand my desire to return to the future. To my people. I was hoping I would be able to use the time machine again and program it to arrive at the precise moment we came through the Stargate. Sitting next to Malia is uh, Mora, played by Matthew Walker. You'll recognise him as Merlin from Stargate SG-1, and also he played Roham in the episode Touchstone. Hmm. He's been in Sanctuary, Blood Ties, Blade and Cold Sword. Causality is not to be treated so lightly. No one's treating it lightly. You are, with your insistence on continuing the experiments, despite the condemnation of this council. We order you to cease these activities, and yet, here we sit, face to face with a visitor from the future, who arrived here in the very machine you agreed not to construct. We are about to evacuate this city in the hope that it will lie safe for many years and then one day our kind will return. Hmm, I don't think so somehow. Oh, is this a Tolan level non-interference thing? We're getting a variety of ancient here. One who seems middle of the road, one seems very helpful and one seems very stubborn. And one seems to be just sitting there yodeling and pondering. I didn't get any lines in this, so I'm going to look serious and try and get lines in the next thing I'm in. Yeah. Gildart, he's been in Charmed, Las Vegas, CSI, and a long-running General Hospital. He looks like a Vulcan. A little, yeah. It does pointy ears. Yeah. And the stapling of the fingers, very Spock-like. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know who's the boss here. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Are we to believe that this is the same character who becomes Merlin? Mm-hmm. If so, he has a, a definite change of attitude. Maybe his wisdom increases with the length of his beard. <laughs> Could be. I haven't shaved since August. <laughs> I've had it trimmed, but I haven't actually taken a razor to my face in about <laughs> ten months. Liver failure and evidence of a stroke from a recent collapse. Carson, her earring's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. She's 10,000 plus. She knows she's going to die. This is no secret. Mm. I don't know how much time I have left to 
tell the story I have waited so long to tell. Yes, you do. He just told you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really annoyed if she dies before she tells you the story. Mm-hmm. They were very upset. Yes, you said they decided to destroy the time machine. I tried to talk them out of it. Couldn't give up hope. Thankfully, I had an ally. You need to talk to Moros. Dr. Weir was brought here through no fault of her own. She shouldn't be punished for it. She's free to come with us back to Earth and live among our... She needs to return to her time, not remain in ours. That's not possible. Dot with the stapling of the fingers. I'm sorry. Wait. I don't think you understand how far we've come. Or how much my people have sacrificed in the hopes of meeting you. We call you the Ancients. The Gate Builders. We've crossed galaxies in the hopes of finding a great people. Please... Is there no other way you can help? We could block the Stargate permanently after the evacuation. That way, in the future, your team will be unable to come here. If they can't come, the city may never be found. But the lives of our expedition would be saved. Thank you for your generous offer. But we are explorers. Just like you. Which should come as no surprise since they are the second evolution of our kind. Yeah, the ancients, they tended to be. Mm-hmm. They weren't all happiness and light. No, well, they were all light. <laughs> Eventually. But even then, they still weren't very helpful. Mm. The council's decision is final. You looked a nice enough ancient. You just think she was cute, despite the awful uniform. Well, they sorted that back out when they went to Earth, you know, when they blended in with the ancient cultures. Mm. Yeah, that was a big letdown, wasn't it? That's a moany cow. <laughs> Ponder, 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 ponder. Yeah. No, we don't want to do that. (laughs) Yes, it would save your life. (laughs) It was all I could do to try to keep pace with him. It makes you wonder if Janus had a hand in building Atlantis or designing it. He seems, or maybe like a bit like Omar, you know. Uh, Actually, I think he's more like Loki. Yeah, we build well. Yes. Needed for... You said the shield collapsed shortly after your arrival. I have to find a way to extend the supply of power. Not built enough to listen to you. <laughs> what is it you call them? A ZPM, zero point module. Yes. They're designed to operate in parallel, all three providing power to the city simultaneously. However, used in sequence, it may be possible to sustain the necessary power for the needed time. I couldn't believe my eyes. Three ZPMs right in front of me. No, I'm off to find something less binding. <laughs> I've got a pack. Someone will need to remain behind in the city to transfer the power from one device to the other. To rotate them sequentially. Over thousands of years? It is possible. Of course he did. <laughs> Janus, please report to Central Control. <sighs> the transport ship was inbound. I was taking heavy fire. Cloaking shield damage. We're returning fire, but we cannot access. There's too many enemy ships. And there are more coming. Engage auxiliary power. Try to outrun them. There are over 300 people on that transport. Well, that's not going to last long, is it? You know, the wraith are efficient. A transport ship, even with a minimal armament and shields. 
I'm trying to do that. Begin the evacuation. You must leave. Now. Is this the first time we've seen all three ZPMs working at the same time? Mm. They're in a bit of a panic because they realise they only had one working prop. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but there's a problem with your plan, isn't there? Yes, it was terrible. This episode didn't have a commentary track on the Blu-ray. Really felt mm. let down because they've been pretty good supplying commentary tracks so far. Oh, right there. Asleep. Asleep. Awake. Asleep. It's still alive. Damn, fell asleep again. Are you not the only one? Are you in any pain? We admit it if we were. I wish there was more we could do for you. Oh, look at you. Always worrying. You put too much pressure on yourself. Remember. That miserable Baltic negotiation. What Simon told us afterwards. Breathe, among other things. Enjoy the moment. What's here right now? The sun. The breeze. Our birthday. Shepard couldn't keep it to himself, huh? I'm just saying, stop being so damn hard on yourself. Life is quick. Not for you. It was my choice, Elizabeth. I didn't second guess it then. And I don't regret it now. At the end of the ancient days, prior to Ascension, there weren't many of them around, were there? <laughs> yes. We're running. We're running. Where is Dr. Weir? She's gone through the gate. She was among the first to evacuate. Good. So the question arises. They had enough power to fly the ship. The Wraith didn't have hard drive technology to match for the Ancients. So why didn't they just try to flee with Atlantis? Because we didn't know Atlantis was a ship at that point. They did. <laughs> they built the damn thing. Yes, but they didn't know they knew. <laughs> that was a, uh, Joe obviously uh, invented that around season three. <laughs> I was thinking through the question. I was also thinking there must be an obvious answer that I'm missing. Yeah, they hadn't thought of it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's not a satisfactory answer, though, is it? You still have to be an answer. You didn't say it had to be good. <laughs> yeah, they're well, No, come on. They knew Atlantis flew because it's in the pilot, in the credit. Expedition. Couldn't you have a robot do that? Apparently not. The ancients didn't believe in robots. You've got to do it yourself. I tell you that there is a possibility, remote, as it is, that this might not succeed. I know. It's impossible to predict what'll happen over such a long period of time. I'm convinced that you will survive. But in the highly unlikely eventuality that you don't, I've programmed a fail-safe mechanism to protect the city. A fail-safe? Yes. If the power drains to a critical level, the mechanism holding the city on the ocean floor will release and it will rise to the surface. Yeah. Normally, when you get the chance to talk to your older self, you know, you get into let into some secrets, but from a, a life point of view, she's lived no longer. No. In fact, young Weir has lived longer than old Weir. Vic, life is Vic, yeah. Calling herself Elizabeth, that's probably what she likes to be called. No Lizzie. Run away. And they got these cool little, well, actually rather awful little backpacks. <laughs> You're going to build another time ship. Doubt I'll succeed. Think that the council will be watching my every move. I'm sure you'll find 
rather trusting of him. He's arrogant. He does remind me of the Tolan guy. Yeah, no, nobody will be buying me, so if he says she's gone, she's gone. Yeah, basically, you go to sleep, you wake up, and 3,333 years have passed. 3.3 thousand years? <laughs> then do it again. Now, make sure there's no mirrors in this room, because otherwise, <laughs> no telling what you might do after 6,000 years. <laughs> but you may never know it, so why worry about it? Now, what You're if he turned around? Hider. Yes. Has nobody noticed that he hasn't gone either? Hmm. Where's that awkward Sarjanus? I bet he's the last. Yes. A rather chaste peck on the cheek. And this is turning out to be a bloody good role for Tori. Oh, come on, give him a good un. You may never get to kiss another bloke. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. We know that from SG1. Otherwise, paradoxes. What is the plural of paradox? Paradox, eh? Whatever you want, I think. <laughs> the Atlantis Q comes in. Oh, bless. And then I was alone. According to Wickenry, it's a paradox. Fair enough. <laughs> and then I was alone. Alone. Yeah, frankly, I'll have delayed him for 15 minutes and... Yeah, rifle through some of the rooms, because you never no, know what you might find. No, not rifle through some of the rooms. If I'm going to be alone for 10,000 years, I'm going to get me hope. <laughs> if that phrase exists in the UK. Or can you imply from context? I can imply. Good, good, good. It doesn't, does it? That's a nice set, though, indeed. Mm. I set the city to slumber. So she's the one that did the dust sheets. <laughs> they were just lying about, and I really hate cleaning when I wake up. It's underwater and sterile. How much dust can appear? <laughs> Blinds on the windows, lovely. Okay, try it the pose. <laughs> and began my long journey home. Okay, a simple uh, dissolve, but mm -hmm. worked very well. Well, we used to call them more. It worked. The stasis, the failsafe. You gave up your entire life. <laughs> For you? <laughs> no. Because we are the same person. The best part of my life. It's just beginning. I'm exploring a new galaxy. She really hasn't lost anything when you think about it. Yes. Although, if you think about it a bit more, she has. Yeah, she's lost everything. Yeah. <laughs> Bella, a dog, back home. Trust yourself, Elizabeth. Use the force. All that matters is right now. Oh, Les. That's reasonable advice. Live life. Have fun. The note I wrote it in case I didn't survive. Has Rodney figured it out yet? Five gate addresses. Outposts. Each one. With a zero-point module. Janice told me. The note she left. The coordinates of planets to have known ZPMs. What more do you need to know? They're obviously important gate addresses. Uh-huh. They were obviously going to be important. M7G677's on here. I mean, this is amazing, Elizabeth. We've got... E... <laughs> now, where's the doc? No medical staff on hand. At all. Interesting. The ASY light is flashing. Which is? Well, technically defect. Asynchronous heartbeat. I know doctors and I read a lot. <laughs> a life well lived. Dr. Elizabeth Weir. Age, 10,000 and a bit. 
not a rushes. How did you burn her? Uh, maybe they have his out somewhere. Yeah, when you think about it, his out would be an awful efficient way of be- avoiding burial. Yes, it would. You're dead, you know? Okay. And we hereby consign you to the universe. Zap, zap, zap. <laughs> if you get zapped when you're already dead, does it disintegrate you immediately? Yeah. yeah these are other questions. If you're not sure, email the gay cast with your opinion. Uh, complex physics diagrams accepted. I said accepted. I didn't say understood. I'll be right there. Actually, John... Give me a minute, will you? Sure. It looks ticked off. <laughs> a nice shot, that is. Oh, nice shot. And we're done. Thoughtful, but not exactly action-packed, was it? Uh, you got a few base battles, but obviously not as much as I think You'd most like of us would prefer. You. Specific. Never have too much of a space. Specifically, you might go space when it comes to space battles. <laughs> it's the egg on your sandwich. They've got to be good space battles. Space battles of Buster Crab, and, you know, and uh, Flash Gordon. They weren't really good space battles. There was an episode included with the Flash Gordon movie that I bought, and it was actually quite watchable. Either that, or they did a lot of cleaning up on it. The old thirty serials. I think they're fantastic. They really knew cliffhangers in those days. Yeah, everything were a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right then, before I sleep, as I said, that was written by Carl Binder. He also produced 40 episodes of Stargate Universe, 80 of Stargate Atlantis, and worked on Mysterious Ways and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Old Weir, the stand-in, that was Holly Alyssa. She's also been in Stargate SG-1 twice and Stargate Atlantis, as well as Whistler, Fringe, Ike, Battlestar Galactica and Eureka. I guess not a great role for a stand-in, but it's work on a series, and you can't really knock that, can you? Indeed not. The episode had excerpts written by Brad Wright and Rob C. Cooper. And the title of the episode, Before I Sleep, was from a Robert Frost poem called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Okay. I didn't know that until yesterday. Also, the makeup artists, Leia Amon and Todd Masters, they got a Gemini nomination for this episode. A what? Gemini nomination. Is it the television equivalent of a Hugo? Sci-fi, specifically science fiction awards. Uh, so are Hugo's. Yeah, that's literature though, isn't it? Yes, that's why I said, is it a TV equivalent of a Hugo? Oh, sorry. Apologies. Try and listen to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. I remember that. <laughs> I'm going to regret that. <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode for Tori Higginson. To be honest, he hasn't had a lot of them. No. The writing for Weir has been a bit hit and miss so far, you know, never quite been as forceful enough to be a solid leader. Well, in fairness now, they took the similar sort of a role for Weir. They tried to adapt it. It was half... Hammond, where you didn't really get any Hammond-centric episode. They were focusing on the core team, and Weir's not part of that. No, I suppose being a civilian, she's always going to be uh, one step removed. Well, so is Rachel. Not really. She's part of the Boots on Grand team, isn't she? Yes. I was wanting to say uh, way team, then. <laughs> this isn't a Star Trek. <laughs> Come try ya! That was Before Our Sleep. Next week, we are going back to SG-1 with Season 8, Episode 15, Citizen Joe. As a friend of mine described it, a clip show that isn't a clip show. Do you have the blurb, Andy? I don't have the blurb, and my name isn't Andy. ba boom <laughs> Seven years ago, Joe, a happily married middle-class father, picked up an odd-looking stone mark with strange glyphs at a Garrydale. Ever since, he has been seeing visions of a top-secret Air Force unit commanded by Jack O'Neill, who leads the SG-1 team through an ancient portal called the Stargate. Joe's obsession with SG-1 ruins his life, and he's out for revenge. 
that doesn't sound like the episode I remember. Well, partly anyway. It doesn't sound anything like the episode I remember. <laughs> I remember this episode uh, very well. Yeah, it's one of the I was going to say better episodes of season eight, but season eight's got a lot of good episodes in it. Indeed. Okay then, I hope you join us for Citizen Joe, and I hope you've enjoyed Before I Sleep. Love to hear feedback from you. And speaking of feedback, our Facebook group generated a little chat about last week's episode, Full Alert. Only me here, and I'm not putting on an accent, so you may want to visit the Gatecast group and read the text for yourself. Brad started the ball rolling. They went places in this ep. I think they should have stayed away from. Not one I'll rewatch often. Evelyn Duncan... The one part I really liked is a scene between Daniel and Daria. I watched the episode for the Daniel scenes, and I think here is one woman who can match him in stubbornness. I replied, poor Daniel, when he gets smacked down for his Russian grammar and accent. Brad, yeah, she puts him down. Daniel's not as fluent in languages as he first thought. Great podcast. Oh, you guys sound so lonely there by yourselves. Agreed, Kinsey's death wasn't good, but I see Kinsey dying at the hunting lodge, and that was a poor end to his character. The ghoul blowing up in the ship was one of the more common ghoul deaths, so I don't have a problem with that. I don't think Jack would have pulled the trigger. Cold blood isn't his thing. Evelyn? I guess he hasn't had much of a chance to use his Russian. Brad Daniels been to Russia twice this series. Should have picked it up by now. Especially since this is the second time it's been a diplomatic trip. Watergate and 48 minutes for those of you playing at home. Evelyn? This was on TV tonight. I took time off weather watching to watch it. Love Jack's under-new management line to Kinsey. Kinsey's living his worst nightmare. Miles McLaughlin? Kinsey was a very convincing gold. Me? As Alan pointed out, he was halfway there already, with the arrogance and self-assurance. Pity the CGI for the eyes was so weak. Brad? Yeah, but mixing bad guys is kind of a jump-the-shark moment. Similar to Dominion at the end of season 10. Two bad guys aren't bad enough until they beg to become one. Evelyn? But I still think this was Kinsey's worst nightmare, just as becoming Lucutus was Picard's. Can you imagine how strong, always in charge, a person feels when he's no longer in charge of anything, not even his own body? I replied, yes, his character was centred around his own self, so those few moments prior to the possession would have been terrifying for him. Not that they wouldn't have been for anyone else. You do wonder if, given time, the ghoul could have come to an understanding, if, if it was aware of who or what it had been. Evelyn, not just the moments before possession, but afterwards as well. The host does survive, look at Skara. So during possession, Kinsey is aware of what the symbiote is doing, and is powerless to stop it. Brad. Agreed, his and anyone's worst nightmare. Just being powerless would be bad enough for him. Evelyn. Question, could a gold or Borg assimilate Superman? Me. A gold? No. Assuming Superman was jazzed up under a yellow sun. But a Borg? I suspect they could. Superman would probably fall short of, say, Species 8472's immune system, which protected them. Brad? Now a ghoul taking over Green Lantern. That would be bad. And that is where we leave that thread. <laughs> right then, we do have a voicemail from Brad. They're quite a long one. Take it away, Brad. Hey guys, Brad here from Victoria, Australia. Just uh, chiming in my thoughts on the upcoming Stargate Atlantis episode, Before I Sleep. It's a nice little plot thread, saying that Atlantis didn't rise the first time. And I was thinking it did the first time and not something that's been reused from time to time, but it's always good to see it come back in different format, different show. Time travelling bubble jumper. Did it go back after being programmed by Janice, seeing it arrived five minutes before the ancients left Atlantis, or was it just a lucky draw they didn't arrive a day later? Mutant talks causality to we 
as if he already knows that she's going to go back to the future, even though he tells her to come with them to Earth and the rest of the ancients. So, yeah, a bit interesting, that one. The gate room flooding's an awesome scene. The CG's not up to scratch. But it's good we see these episodes from time to time where the base is destroyed. Um, we've seen it early on in SG-1 where the self-destruct countdown always got stopped at four or five seconds. And only then when it did blow up, we just got to fade to white, whereas this, we actually see the base fail. And it's good to see the character of Janice back, even though you could say this would be his first appearance. Questions still arise, though. He built the time-travelling puddle jumper there in Atlantis while the ancients were at the peak of their technological use. But then he seems to go through back to Earth with limited resources and builds exactly the same puddle jumper that we see in It's Good to Be King. It just seems weird both puddle jumpers would be identical, even different versions. You'd think there'd be some slight differences. But overall, very good episode. It's one of my top for season one. Elizabeth Weir, old Elizabeth Weir, played really well. Makeup was done really well on her. I can see there's some gripes about not showing Puddle Jumper appear in orbit, especially when it's considered to be one of the major storylines. Atlantis being under siege from the Wraith for so long, it would have been good to see the planet under siege, but it was a little bit early in the series to be spending big dollars on special effects. They'd just done that with the pilot and then the mid-season two-parter. So it's a little bit understandable. I'd prefer not to see it than get poor visuals and see it. And I know I've said it time and time again this season, but Dory itself, I feel, should have been bred over two parts, especially considering this is the first time we've actually met real-life ancients as a group and not the individual. And basically we get the, sorry, can't help you, come to Earth with us. Uh, they won't even tell us what they call the puddle jumper. So um, they seem to come off a little bit arrogant again. But, yeah, it's good to see they use a couple of the characters from SG-1 just to tie the universe together of that little bit more. Yeah, it's good to see. So, yeah, that'll be thoughts on Before I Sleep, and I'll talk to you all next time. Bye. Now that's feedback taken to a whole new level. Cheers, Brad, and you're right about pretty much everything. The minor crossover between Atlantis and SG-1 always pays off, even if, yeah, it could certainly have been expanded to a double-length feature. But it may have been the case of fitting the SGA story into what was going to become the SG-1 series finale a few weeks later. If you want to do a Brad, then record a little audio, any format should be fine, and mail it to gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. And isn't it so much better than listening to me butcher your posts on the various portals and sites we use, which, hand on heart, we are delighted people are using to talk about Stargate and our own show. So if you do want to get in touch, you can email us, including an audio message, using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. And we have groups and pages on both Facebook and Google+. You can search for us using the generic Stargate, or more specifically Gatecast. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio, under Gatecast. And we simply swoon when we get an iTunes rating and review. They help the show get promotion on that service. Twitter seems to be popular, and you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. And finally, there is our main website, gatecast.co.uk, which has a variety of contact and links for keeping our Stargate family all together. That's a wrap for Before Our Sleep, an excellent episode of Stargate. Hope you join us for Citizen Joe. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.